We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, finally, the Cash Considerations locker room curse is dead. It seems like every single time we try to talk about a Bulls game after the game on this app, the Bulls get crushed. This happened from the very first game of the season. It has continued happening. But tonight in Jason dare I say, a must-win game for the Bulls against an Indiana Pacers team without Malcolm Brogdon, without DeMontes Sabonis. The Bulls come out, they get the job done. A 113-97 victory for the Bulls moves them to 21-28 on the year. Uh, This was the best example we've seen so far of, I think, the vision since adding Nikola Vucevic. Uh, Vucevic had an incredible game, 32 points, 17 rebounds, 5 assists. The offense was running through him. He was not particularly efficient. Uh, Got up 29 shots. How about that today? I wonder how many times Zach this season has even eclipsed 29 shots. Uh, But, you know, he was was putting in some major work. He He already had like 10 or 11 boards by halftime. Uh, his passing was great today. I thought he was looking for cutters on the weak side, cutting baseline out of the high post. And in terms of his scoring, I think you saw the full package. You saw him go four of seven from three, which was nice because, uh, you know, for his first few games on the Bulls, he'd kind of had a rough start shooting behind the arc. Finally got to see a few threes fall for him today. He had the post up going. It was a lot of mid-range action. Uh, And on a night when Zach Levine, again, was not at his best, Levine, 19 points on 6 of 18 shooting, he has not looked like himself since the Vucevic trade went down. I think the ankle is still bothering him a little bit. Uh, But the Bulls had enough to get it done tonight. They needed to win. Uh, I didn't want to celebrate this win too much when I was watching on Twitter just because when you're playing a team without – a Pacers team without Bragdon and Sabonis. Like, that's just a game where you have to make it a no-doubter, right? Like, you can't play down to the level of competition when you're going against, uh, you know, TJ McConnell and Doug McDermott, guys who have given him some trouble this year. But the Bulls didn't do that. They pretty much had this game as a blowout into the third quarter. They finished off the job, and, 
Yeah, Bulls win. So, Jace, how are you feeling after this big victory? Uh, I mean, yeah, they definitely had to win this game, basically. Uh, when, As you mentioned, missing the Pacers aren't good to begin with. Even, like, healthy, they're decent, but, like, not that good. Missing their two best players, and then Turner got hurt, what was it the third quarter, second quarter? I think he sprained his ankle. Uh, so, yeah, the Pacers got off to, like, a decent start, but the Bulls kind of took control. And you mentioned the Vucevic and, like, the vision there. Uh, yeah, Vucevic just a dominant game. We saw just, like, the passing, just the huge just the upgrade with the passing and the ball movement uh, with him passing out of the post. I know one of the st- uh, these stats that have been going around lately, uh, people have been talking about is like the bulls just like increasing the, the offense from post-ups. And a lot of times like, Oh, like post-ups aren't great. They're not efficient. But like when you have a dude like Nikola Vucevic who can post up and can also pass out of the post, you also have Thad Young's really good at doing that as well. Uh, you can see how it can help the offense and just like playing inside out. We saw Vucevic scoring inside out, uh, 14 to 29 from the field. He had four three pointers. He had the, the five assists. He dominated in the glass. The Bulls just dominated in general on the glass against a, a smaller Pacers team with no Sabonis. 14 offensive rebounds. They had a bunch going early, uh, getting second chance points. And like you mentioned, yeah, Zach has not been great. He did not shoot well again. He had a few really nice moments. He had that sequence at the end of the first half with a big dunk and then the three pointer. He did have six assists. Uh, he was a plus 16. So even though he didn't shoot the ball very well, like they played well with him on the court. This was just like a really nice team game where they just, they didn't really mess around. Like I said, the game was close early, but then they took, took control in the second quarter. They blew it open in the third quarter. The fourth quarter was kind of trash, but it was mostly garbage time. Uh, and it was just a full team effort. We mentioned Vooch and Zach, but then we got Thad Young at 14, seven and five. Patrick Williams had 10 points and four steals. He was all over the passing lanes. Uh, Sadoransky per, after his big game against the Nets. Uh, where he kind of outplayed Kyrie Irving. He did not have a huge game today, but I mean, he was totally fine. And even off the bench, like Lowry did well off the bench at 15 and six. He hit his three or four from three, just play, in like in only 22 minutes. It was kind of a smaller role. Uh, I think that that 20 to 25 minutes, I think is good for Lowry at this point. I think you don't want to overextend him. We see what happens when you overextend him, especially in the wrong matchups. He gets his ass kicked uh, today. I think this was against a depleted team. Lowry took advantage of the sh- the good looks that he got and he hit them 15.6 rebounds. And even Kobe did pretty well today. 13 and six assists, five, nine from the field plus 14. Didn't have any turnovers or he had one turnover. Uh, I know like last game against TJ McConnell, he had some issues uh, just handling the ball. I think right at the start, TJ McConnell like ripped him a few times, but to get solid, just off the bench, a couple uh performances there. We saw Troy Brown Jr. Play some nice defense. He was a plus 15. Troy Brown sh- shooting is pretty brutal. He shot a three pointer off the side of the backboard and open corner three, but I think one other interesting, interesting thing that I pointed out was I think Billy Donovan's rotation was almost more like a playoff esque rotation today. He basically went eight deep. He did go to nine with Denzel in the first half. Denzel played like two first half minutes, got had a terrible turnover, got burned twice on defense. And then Billy was like, all right, get the fuck out. Like I'm going back to our guy. So they were basically running an eight man rotation with Lowry, Troy Brown jr. And Kobe white off the bench, which I think is probably the ideal that we want to see. Denzel can get spot minutes if he's making shots, uh, but when he's bad, Billy pulled him today, and that was great. And Troy Brown Jr., uh, again, his offense is not great, but we've seen some of the defensive impact he made He in that Nets game, which I did not see the Nets game. That was uh, on Easter, and I just was not watching Bulls basketball that day. But uh, followed some of the game uh, like on the phone and was and just like listening to it and looking at the box score. Troy Brown Jr. did a nice job on Kyrie Irving that game. So like he can get minutes with uh, playing deep, strong defense, and we saw that again today. So just overall, just a really solid team effort tonight. And 
in that Nets game. I know both games against teams missing their key guys. The Nets didn't have KD or James Harden. The Pacers, as mentioned, don't have Mel- didn't have Malcolm Brogdon, Sabonis, and then Miles Turner got hurt. But that's what you got to do. You got to win these games. You say it's like a must win. Yeah, this is this was basically a must win game, and the Bulls took care of business and beat that uh, beat the ass of a team that deserved to get their ass beat because this version of the Pacers is crap. So they took care of business, and that was great to see. Yeah, I was going to mention the short rotation. Like, Billy definitely did not want to blow this game in yeah. the third quarter. I think that it was sort of nice. You had Kobe as the one guard off the bench. Markkanen is the one big off the bench. Uh, and then Troy Brown was playing in the first half. I always enjoy all of the Troy Brown minutes. But I feel like there's been so much frustration with Kobe and Lowry this year because, you know, under the Garpax administration, those were the guys who were really carrying the franchise on their shoulders. One of the nice things about the Vukovic trade is like now you have two legit primary options on the offensive end and everyone else can just kind of pick their spots a little bit better. I thought, you know, marketing had been being used. It's small forward to accommodate Daniel Tice uh, as much as possible. But Tice missed this game. So marketing is back to, you know, playing all his minutes in the front court, and I just thought he looked a lot better. Uh, Markinum goes five of seven today, goes three of four from deep, 15 points. So, like, yeah, Lowry Markinum as a guy who can just be a dude who comes off the bench, gets some shots up. I think that that is a really good role for him. Yeah. Same thing with Kobe White. As I've said on this podcast before, I do not want Kobe White making a decision on the basketball floor that is more difficult than catch ball and shoot ball when he has to, like, read the floor uh, that's when he gets himself into trouble. And it was kind of funny that on on a night when the ball movement was really noticeable for the Bulls, like you said, 28 assists, uh, they were killing it with the ball movement. Kobe still like missed some pretty easy passes in this game, I thought, uh, where he chose to drive. And it worked out for him a couple times. He got to the foul line or finished at the rim, but... Uh, you know, Stacy King called him out for that on one. He got he drew he missed Lowry was wide open. One more swing pass, Lowry was wide open. He drew a foul on it, but Stacy was still calling him out for it. I think that was probably one of the ones that you noticed because it was very obvious. Yeah, but you know, Kobe, if he could even be a third guard, dude, two more years on his rookie scale contract, uh, I think that he would really have to improve. And through his first two years in the NBA, he hasn't really improved. And I think that that is sort of the frustrating thing about him. I mean, you could talk about the change in his role this year, trying to, uh, you know, be the starting point guard at the start of the season. But uh, if he could just give them solid third guard level play off the bench, two years left on a rookie deal, maybe you flip him. The guy's no savior. Hopefully he's not a total bum either. Hopefully he's not going to be someone who we're looking at uh, is a bust, you know, a couple of years from now. And in a redraft, you know, five years from now, even you're looking at someone who shouldn't have been picked in the top 20. I truly want to believe he can at least be a decent third guard off the bench. He's got the size to play either position. Uh, he's got the shooting, which you need. So uh, it was good to see Lowry and Kobe for once actually have a decent game for them. And I think that just having someone like Lucevic and then, of course, Zach to carry the offensive load makes their lives a little bit easier. And that goes especially for Patrick Williams, who has been pretty damn good since the Vucevic trade. Uh, He's still in a very low usage role. We can talk about that moving forward. I think that, you know, just him showing that he can still impact the game at a higher usage is going to be the biggest thing for him coming into his next season. Uh, but, you know, Vucevic makes his life easier, too. So uh, we got Kevin on here. C-Red Kev joining us on the locker room app. Uh, C-Red Kev, what up? <laughs> and uh, how you feeling? Pretty good Bulls win today. Pro- probably one of the more more satisfying wins of the year, I would say. 
Yeah. It was against a bad team. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't be mad at it. I mean, if they had lost this game, it would be, you know, uh, a huge problem just because of the the race with the, the Pacers. They have the chance to potentially get past them here. Um, that game was essentially worth two, two wins in the standings because it gave them a loss and uh, boosted the Bulls up. Um, with another win and but yeah I mean you can't really complain about about beating the team that's in front of you and they um, they still don't really put their foot completely on the on the throat of teams when they have them down which you know that I think is going to take some time especially you know you're working in new guys before I was I would would have chalked that up to you know the team just being really young and not having enough guys that know how to win um, or how to play like at a high level uh, to finish games, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think now it's just a matter of getting getting the roster cohesion. It feels like the last three or so games, um, maybe even going back all the way four games, um, they've played a lot better. Um, they you know they lost uh, the last two in the run before they got the win in the Nets game, but they were playing very good teams, the Jazz and the, the Suns, and they played them very competitively, um, which was a, a positive sign. And um, now, yeah, you, you really can't uh, complain about this win. I, it really, uh, I, I texted Ricky um, and one of our other friends this during the game, but it was, it really looked like the beautiful game um, in stretches for them with all those assists, uh, the, the post-ups, kick out, swing, swing, swing. And I even said, will say that, like, yeah, Kobe missed uh, some reads, but I do think that when all he has to do is either shoot or swing the ball to the next guy over, like, that's a pretty a pretty good spot for him. Um, I still don't think that he's like, you know, uh, probably going to live up to his draft slot. But if all you're asking him to do is uh, in the short term is uh, shoot open threes. Uh, beat guys on closeouts, and uh, if he doesn't have the shot, swing it to the next guy. You know that's uh, that's trimming his. De- I guess I would say that's uh, right sizing him uh, for his skill set and where he's at right now. Um, and it seems like Billy is is not really screwing around with the too much development stuff. And I don't actually think that that's a bad thing. Like I think that guys learn and get better um, by building confidence through winning. I don't. I think that like there's probably a little bit too much emphasis on, um, on basketball Twitter about like just getting guys developmental minutes in regardless of the situation, and I think that playing, um, playing within a role and figuring out how to do that and uh, getting your confidence up from actually winning games, is, you know, it just feels better and you probably get more confidence from that for, than from playing a huge usage role and just getting stomped all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think we saw just like uh, this season, earlier this season, the bulls were trying the development stuff and it just was not going well. Like the young lineups were crap. Kobe at point guard was crap. Uh, and they're like, enough is enough where we need to start uh, changing stuff up. And they moved Wendell and Kobe to the bench and then they trade Wendell and make a big Vucevic trade. Now they're trying to win games. So they're not going to deal with like, obviously there's still some development going on, but yeah. like, like you mentioned the role, smaller roles for 
like smaller decision making roles for Kobe, a smaller role in general for Lowry. I think probably will hopefully you maximize those guys in those smaller roles for right now at least. Like I said, I think we're both pretty. I think we're all kind of down on these guys just as like legit long term pieces. But if like for right now they're on this team playing be- these be- smaller bench roles and like just not having as much pressure on them to like be the main guys, uh, probably is just much better for them right now. And the one guy whose development matters more than anyone is Pat. And Pat yeah. started the whole year. And I think, you know, by making this Vooch trade, you are making his life easier, which I think we've seen a little bit to this point. Uh, but I think it's going to continue to happen. And what Kevin was saying about La- or about Kobe living up to his draft slot, I don't even really care if he lives up to his draft slot at this point. I sort of just want him to be like a de- you know, just decent third guard. Like, obviously, you're not taking a guy with the seventh pick thinking that that is going to be his ultimate ceiling. But, uh, you know, at least just getting a, a solid player out of him would be really nice, especially with two years left on the rookie deal. Or you flip him. And I think that that's something that is going to continue to be a discussion because Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley did not draft Kobe White. Kobe White doesn't seem to fit really seamlessly with Zach Levine in the backcourt. So, you know, those are things we'll be talking about well into the offseason, I'm sure. Uh, and, you know, we'll see if Kobe White is still on this team when they open up training camp. But just for like this moment right now with the Bulls really doing everything they can to try to get into the play in tournament, it looks like they're going to get in just because no one below them is threatening them. Uh, and then they're going to try to win. And I guess the way it goes is that so seven and eight play each other in the play in tournament and the winner is automatically in and then nine and ten play each other. And the winner plays the loser of the other game. And then they have to win that game. So, you know, if you're in the 9 or 10 slot, the Bulls are 10 right now. Right now it would be, you know, the Celtics play the Knicks, and then the Bulls play the loser of that game to, you know, if they could beat the Pacers in the first game. So that's how the playing tournament works this year. I think that, you know, it's going to be fun. And someone asked in the comments, too, uh, if you qualify for the playoffs via the play-in tournament, you're not in the lottery. But if you fail to make the playoffs despite making the play-in tournament, you're in the lottery. So that's going to be something for the Bulls, too, considering they have the top four protected draft pick. But, uh, you know, it's pretty clear that the Bulls want to make the playoffs this year and they want to get some experience. And I think that the team remains half finished in a lot of ways because you added someone who is so ball dominant, has such a high usage rate in Vucevic in the middle of the year. It's going to take some time to figure out, but uh, it was nice to see them not get their ass kicked tonight. I mean, you know, even if it's against sort of a weaker opponent, that's all right. So uh, we got a question from Jeremy. Should we hit that in the chat? I'm oh, sorry. we got a couple. Let's, we got a couple questions here. Let's start okay. uh, after a little higher from Uncle Stanley McGoober. And this, these all kind of play into each other. Uh, would you rather the Bulls make the sixth seed and go straight to the Bucks or seven eight, and you get a fun plan, and then they get a fun matchup? Nuts matchup. I mean, I feel like you just rather get, stay out of the plane. I guess. I mean, I guess if you do get in the play in, there still is the outside chance where if you do blow it, you can still get the number one pick, I guess, in the top three. So I guess ideally, though, with the way the, the, way the Bulls are going, the direction they're going, it'd probably just be better to get in the playoffs and like get up to number six, which like we talked, there are some just comments in here about getting up there. Like, I don't think it's that out of the question to do. I mean, there are four games out of the six right now. The Hornets just lost. They have no Lamella ball. They have no Gordon Hayward for like a month, too. The Celtics suck. The Knicks are kind of whatever. The Pacers suck and are hurt. So, like, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's, like, that crazy for the – if you look at the next couple of weeks, like, the Bulls' schedule is not that hard. Uh, like, this week, 
at Toronto. Toronto is just a disaster. They're totally cooked. Uh, and, and like Lowry and Van Vliet are out again now. And like Siakam's a disaster. Like their COVID issues, just their whole season has been a mess. Uh, and then like at Atlanta will be tough on Friday. Second of a back-to-back Atlanta on fire tonight in New Orleans. New Orleans apparently just loves giving up like historic uh, three-point shooting performances. And Atlanta's now up to the four seed. So that'll be a tough game. So, I mean, you figure you got to at least win one of those. But I mean, it's not like Atlanta's unbeatable. Uh, and then they got like the... And they got the Timberwolves coming up on Sunday. And then they got like another magic game. There's the Grizzlies mixed in there. So like the next couple of weeks, the Bulls can have a chance to move up the standings here. I mean, maybe get up to eight or seven or maybe even get up to six, depending on if the Hornets can stay or float or not. So like, I know the schedule then gets much tougher at the end of the year. Uh, and I mean, the end of the, I mean, this season is just so weird in general, who knows at the end of the year, especially with these top teams, like, I mean, especially the top three are just like, so, far ahead of everybody else like you do wonder like if they'll if they will rest guys and all that kind of stuff and we've seen the bulls get lucky in a few games here like all week the bulls will probably like be missing guys i know the hawks even though they won the day they don't have john collins for a while deandre hunter is out again so like and the bulls are pretty relatively healthy like the bulls have got like lately have are actually been pretty lucky i feel like with their health their main guy their best players have not missed any time uh we've had obviously some like kobe and like lowry missing some time that's not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things so like the Bulls are in a spot where they could possibly make a run here. Uh, I'm not sure how high they'll actually get. They actually have to win these games, but especially with the way that they are starting to look just a little better in general. Like Kevin, you mentioned, like they did, they were competitive against the Suns and Jazz. I, I guess they were down big and they made it look a little closer in the, thanks to some runs in the fourth quarter. But I mean, they, they were right there in the fourth quarter after those runs. So like they have been a bit more competitive after that ugly Spurs game and the ugly Warriors game. Uh, so again, they can kind of just take advantage of these some of these this softer schedule coming up here the next few weeks. Uh, they might be able to make things interesting with the with these just these goofy, terrible Eastern Conference standings. Uh, the biggest thing is going to be getting Levine back to playing at the yeah. level playing at in the first half of the season because uh, since the Vucevic trade, I think these are the numbers I have up now. He did miss a game in the last five, so this was the sixth game with Vucevic, I believe. Uh, and I just have the numbers coming into tonight's game, but since the Vuzovic trade, he was shooting 40% from the field, 20% from three, 70% from the foul line. So, you know, anyone who's watched the games have just noticed that he's been hobbled uh, tonight again. You know, he's he's gutting it out. He's playing hurt. He's doing the things that our dads love to see athletes do. But <laughs> he needs Zach Levine to be healthy and playing at the top of his game if the Bulls are really going to make things interesting. Uh, Kevin, what, what's your sort of mindset in terms of the protected draft pick, uh, plan to get into the playoffs, the plan in general, sort of where's your head at with uh, the current state of Bulls fandom uh, as the season comes to the conclusion? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't know if Kevin Kevin was with us there. Okay, well, if anyone else wants to... Uh, Let's address, let's address Jeremy's question okay, now. Uh, that, that we're, he says the question moving forward is, obviously, they're trying to be their best. Yep. Lacking big cap space, they're going to have to trade more picks, assets this offseason next year to try and be an actually good team. Uh, obviously, hoping Pat gets good quickly, but Vooch timeline is long. So, I mean, that just kind of goes into what we're talking about. Like, they're hey, trying to win now. And, sorry about that, guys. Oh, all good. I, I, I dropped off my Wi-Fi because I'm walking to the store. <laughs> but uh, uh, when in the uh, hang-up between the 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 internet and my uh, my uh, phone connection uh, I lost you right as Ricky was asking me a question sorry about that it's all good I mean yeah just kind of addressing what I just the Jeremy question just kind of where they're at just where the Bulls are going like right now what they're trying to win uh, but obviously like they're as Ricky has kind of said they're like kind of half finished uh, like where do they like I guess where do they go for the rest of the season here like what's your view on them like going to win games and then just like moving forward like where how do they like take this next step uh because obviously the cap space thing we'll see how that shakes out we've talked about like the lonzo ball stuff like will they have to make more trades to like to actually become like a legit contender here just like where i guess where do you stand with just like what they're trying to do the rest of the season and then how they like take that next step moving forward yeah the one thing i want to say on this is that and i listened to mark's podcast he had fred and doug on we got Mark in the room right now. That was a really good episode, Mark. I thought it was hilarious and really good discussion. But Doug was really down on the Vucevic trade, right? And uh, I think that's totally a defensible position. When I was doing the trade grades for SB Nation, I gave the Magic an A and the Bulls a B for the trade. Just because I thought, you know, for the Magic to get two first-round picks and to get Carter, that's great value for Vucevic, who's already 30. Obviously, the Magic weren't really going to be building towards anything, and those Bulls picks could be decent picks, especially this year. Who knows? So I thought that was, uh, uh, you know, good from the Magic's perspective. But here's the thing from the Bulls' perspective. Uh, Look at their last eight first-round picks, post-Jimmy Butler, before Pat. It's a lot of busts, dude. It's eight busts. So Garpacks obviously left the franchise in a pretty vulnerable position. Uh, and I just think that, like, even if the Bulls had kept the pick this year, didn't have Vooch. So what's your grand plan? That, like, the ninth pick in the draft is going to save the franchise? Like, of course, any draft pick is sort of a lottery ticket. And you kind of give yourself the shot at potentially getting someone who could be really good long term. But we've done that for a number of years. Like, Lowry Marketing didn't save the franchise. Carter didn't. Kobe didn't. So uh, Pat looks pretty good. I don't want to crown him yet just because, you know, there was a point where I thought Carter was going to be a no-brainer, uh, you know, above-average starter for this team, and that never happened. But I just think that, like, to bemoan the loss of the draft pick when, you, at the end of the day, it's like the ninth or 10th pick in the draft, you already got a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old in Pat and Kobe. Uh, I'm just not crying about losing that pick if it lands in that range. And it's protected if, in the best-case scenario where it jumps up. So uh, that's just kind of my thought on it. I do think the Bulls gave up a lot. But what was exciting to me about the trade is that it signals it, just a general aggressiveness to team building that Garpacks never considered. So I think that, like, viewing the Bulls right now as being like, well, they need one more guy. Who's their one more guy? I really think that's a narrow-minded view of it. Like, they could do anything. They could trade Vucevic. They could sign Zach and flip him. 
they could basically do anything. I don't think that they're just necessarily going to be totally locked in to what they have, right? So that's what was exciting to me about the move. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I would agree with pretty much everything you said there, Ricky. The only the only thing that I would say is that I don't really, um, I don't think that they actually sent out that much, frankly. Um, I am not, I, I had gotten to the point where I was not much of a Wendell guy. He's like a very easily replaceable um quality center in the league like outside of your top like five maybe centers in the league uh most of them aren't really difference makers and i think vooch is like probably it's like probably like the mendoza line i think vucevic is kind of like that line right like i think he makes a difference but like most centers below him are not meaningfully different um uh and i i think that it was i I struggled to see where wendell was going to be um, an above average starting center on, uh, you know, on Zach's timeline really. And then the, the picks, you know, they got an all-star and I, I know people like to poo poo, uh, Vucevic's all-stars, but like the guy is a beast. He was playing with like nobody down there in Orlando and consistently just like dominating teams. He killed the nets by himself, uh, when he was on Orlando and then he did it again, admittedly against, a lesser Nets team uh, this time, but like he's a really, really good player and picks that are top four protected. Um, the mo- like almost every great player that gets drafted in the draft with a few exceptions, obviously, but those are lottery tickets anyway, um, are, you know, non, not going to be all-stars. So I just don't think that it's actually that much to give up. And I know it sounds like a lot, but like, I just don't value what, what those assets were going to be. And that's not because I don't think that Karnaschovas is like a talented drafter. I mean, I think Denver has one of the best draft histories um, in the league going back the last decade or so, however long he was there. And, um, you know, I don't, you know, you can't, it's hard to parcel out credit, but uh, you know, he was at least part of those decisions. And I just, I think that, you know, the aggressiveness, what the aggressiveness really signaled to me was that they were done trying to behave like a small market team um because like that's like building everything through the draft and just praying that like continually being shitty and um being a lottery team is is like gonna land you Cade Cunningham or Zion or Luca or whatever like it never happened like (laughs) there were like franchise changing talents in all of the last four drafts since the Jimmy Butler trade and the Bulls didn't get one of them so it's just like, what are your actual advantages as a franchise? Like, yeah, everybody can play the draft game. And that's why the draft game sucks, because anybody, including all the small market teams, can play it. The Bulls are in a position where they can play a game that only some franchises can play. They are a huge market. They are a legacy market in terms of the Jordan era. And I think that, like, I don't know, I, I, I this is maybe like a, a long shot conspiracy theory, but like, I want to believe that Michael Reinsdorf saw the um, the last dance and was like, hey, we used to be relevant. Like, maybe we should try that again. Um, you know, I don't know. But it, it just definitely feels like that's the direction that they're going is like, hey, this is like a great market. We should build a, a really good team here and get people to come uh, want to play here. For sure. Yeah. And I think that also just like the aggressiveness they show just – 
to me, signals that they're not going to be locked into this. Like, if they think that, you know, this doesn't have enough upside, I think that they're just going to continue to try to gain every advantage that they can. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that I think that they should try to get back into the draft. They also are going to have a decently high second round pick. Uh, You know, these are things that you can do to try to add young talent. Uh, You can get a guy, you know, who flamed out somewhere else, uh, you know, looks better on a second team. So yeah, they're going to have some opportunities to be better. So I think that like, it's the wrong way of looking at it to be like, well, Levine and Vucevic are two of the worst all-stars in the league. And you know, the team is just ultimately going to have a ceiling of the second round. It's like, you don't know, man, if you're sitting here uh, three years from now and they've somehow landed a superstar free agent or swung a big trade. uh, Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, You know, if that happens, I think it's going to be way, way, way too early to grade this trade until you see how the franchise is perceived over the next few years, right? So uh, that's my two cents on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just nice to, to like, be semi-relevant again and just be trying to win games. It was, they've been, they've just been so bad. They've been so shitty since they tried to gym in. Uh, hopefully they can, still, like I said, start stacking some wins here over these next couple weeks. Uh, so even though I did, we have just been shitting like on the draft right now. I did kind of want to talk some draft today, just with the NCAA tournament finishing up here. Obviously, we saw some really high level play. Uh, I mean, Baylor just absolutely whooped Gonzaga's ass after that incredible Gonzaga UCLA game. Baylor just ran rough shot through the final four. So I guess Ricky, as the draft guy, I know Kevin, you're kind of into the draft as well. That's not as much of me. I did want to talk about at least. Obviously, the Bulls will only have the draft pick if it is in the top if they get in the plane and then and then lose and then get in the top four but uh i guess just ricky any of your just thoughts on draft draft i guess draft thoughts from the ncaa tournament obviously we saw jalen suggs uh the gonzaga uh the other gonzaga guys we had like Corey kispert baylor i know like Dave, a lot of people are hyping up davion mitchell now uh and then there's uh with jared butler so i guess just your top takeaways from what we saw in the ncaa tournament with some of the draft stuff and especially in this the final four that just happened for sure. I did a mock draft today on SB Nation. So if you want to check that out, uh, go for it. I think that, you know, a lo- this was sort of a disappointing NCAA tournament from a draft pick perspective because nobody really moved way up based on their performance. And a lot of guys who were in position to do that kind of had disappointing runs. Like, I think the top five is sort of solidified, right? With Cade's going to be number one. Uh, I think Evan Mobley's number two, but you can make a case for Suggs at number two. And then you have Jalen Green, who you could probably make a case for him at number two if you want to. His range is like two to four. And then you have Kaminga. Those guys are almost certainly going to be the first five picks. Who goes number six, I think, is going to be really fascinating. And as I alluded to, nobody really gained any positive momentum during this tournament. Arkansas went to the Elite Eight, but they were better with Moses Moody out of the game sometimes. Like, Moody did, he had two bad games in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Uh, That's the guy I think I favor right now at number six, but, uh, you know, he didn't give himself any positive momentum going into the pre-draft process. Keon Johnson in Tennessee, Tennessee got absolutely smoked in their first game by Oregon State. So he's out right away. Scotty Barnes, I wrote this in my uh, mock draft today. Scotty Barnes had 18 points, six rebounds, and nine assists total in three games. So, uh, you know, he's sort of a jack-of-all-trades type, a really long defender who can pass a little bit. He's interesting, but, you know, I question how much he's going to be able to score at the NBA level, and he didn't really put those concerns to bed. Uh, during Florida State's run to the Sweet 16. 
Uh, and yeah, even a guy like Kai Jones, Franz Wagner was horrible in the oh. Michigan State yeah. game. He airballed a potential game-winning three, uh, shot one at 10 from the field. He was someone who I thought could maybe get up into that six overall spot. So from that perspective, I don't think we learned too much about the draft order. I think the top five is the top five. That six to 14 is going to be really, really fluid. And, you know, as a Bulls fan who just saw the team trade the pick, I'm looking at some of these guys and I'm like, man, I'm not going to be missing out on this pick too much this year. Like if you're talking about Jalen Johnson from Duke, he's really talented, I think. And there's a chance that he could be good. Some people have compared him to a poor man's Ben Simmons. He's not a very good shooter. He likes to play in the open floor. He likes to handle uh, he's big and fast, and he's someone who's intriguing for sure, but I'm not feeling great about taking him or Barnes. Uh, you know, Zaire Williams is another guy who I think is going to be like three or four years away from contributing. He could be a lottery pick. Franz didn't look good. I don't love Boak Knight. Uh, Sharif Cooper's interesting, but he's someone who has pretty obvious strengths and weaknesses to me and probably isn't going to be an immediate impact guy. So especially looking at this range of the draft, uh, I don't know. I'm not like I'm not super upset. The Bulls are going to be missing out on a pick this year just because I think all these guys have some pretty big question marks in general. And then I don't really see a ton of clean fits into the Bulls in terms of the game. uh, I had written so much about Gonzaga as potentially being an all time great team. That's what happens when you go 31 and 0 and you have a roster that has, you know, an All-American at guard, forward, and at center. They also had a fourth All-American, Jola Yaye, who could potentially be someone the Bulls look for uh, with a second-round pick. He was a, a French guard, six foot five, uh, fourth year in the program as a redshirt junior. Gonzaga developed him slowly. He uh, ended up being, like, probably the best fourth option in college basketball this year, for sure. But, you know, despite all Gonzaga's talent and despite their great uh, you know, resume during the season, I thought the better team won. Uh, Baylor just looked phenomenal. Yeah. I thought Baylor was a really bad matchup for Gonzaga, mostly because Drew Timmy, the Gonzaga center, absolutely could not defend a high ball screen. To save his chicken. Uh, he was switching on to Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler. They were just making him pay. Baylor was doing a great job collapsing the defense, uh, kicking the ball out, getting wide open, catch and shoot threes a lot of the times that Gonzaga had not been surrendering most of this year. It also helped that Baylor was just on fire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they hit, uh, I think, something like 45% of their threes for the game. Gonzaga started one for eight from three. Baylor also gashed them on the offensive glass. So, yeah, dude, Baylor's a kick-ass team. I wrote a love letter to this Baylor team that's going to be publishing tomorrow on SBNation.com, uh, almost 2,000 words. But essentially, they just went 52-6 and six over two years. They would have been a number one seed in the tournament last year when they were probably the second best team in the country behind Devon Dotson uh, in Kansas, the current Bulls point guard. So totally elite team. I mean, when you do it for two years with the same core, everyone always talks about how you need guards in March. Well, they had three kick-ass guards with uh, Butler, Teague, and Mitchell. Uh, they had some pretty interesting front core guys with JTT, with Matthew Mayer. They hit more threes than, hit a greater percentage of their threes than any team in the country. They're a 41% three point shooting team on the year. So, yeah, man, they checked every box. They kicked ass all year. I think the best team won the title. And, uh, you know, it was a little disappointing. I think that it wasn't a close game because uh, I really thought that that should have been like an instant classic game. But, 
Baylor came out and they fucking ran them off the floor. They just looked so locked in. Uh, Scott Drew absolutely had them ready to play. Mark Few had to go to a zone early in the game, which Gonzaga had barely played all year. So that was a straight-up ass-whooping, best team won the title. And, uh, yeah, in terms of, like, the best college basketball teams I've seen in the last few years, I think that Baylor and Gonzaga were both two of the ten best of the last ten years, probably. Like, I'm taking 2012 Kentucky and 2015 Kentucky, the teams led by uh, Anthony Davis and Carl Towns over those squads. I'm taking 2018 Villanova over those squads. But otherwise, I mean, both of these teams were absolute fucking powerhouses. This ba- this Gonzaga team was better than the squad that lost in the title game in 2017, and that was a great team with Nigel Williams-Goss and Zach Collins and Car- my boy Karnowski. So uh, two great teams, high-level game. Baylor whooped their ass. It would have been fun to see a best-of-five series, best-of-three series even, but uh, I do think the best team won. I will also have to ask uh, you about AO since he declared for the draft today. And obviously Illinois, he and Illinois went out very sadly against Loyola. Uh, where do you think, like, do you think he would make sense for the Bulls in the early second? Like, do you think he'll go in the first? Uh, what is your take on my guy AO? Yeah, I don't have IO as a first round pick to me. I think it's close. I think, you know, he could have if Illinois had a big run. Now, I don't yeah. really think like a tournament run should matter too much in terms of shooting up your draft a draft board, but it just does happen to matter quite a bit every single year. Uh, and Io was arguably the best junior in the country besides for the two Baylor guys, besides for Jared Butler all year. So uh, I don't love him from a draft prospect perspective. He has great size at six foot five, but he's just not a plus athlete. So that's like the first handicap on him. I don't really see him being able to create advantage situations, going to the basket, collapsing a defense. Like, I just don't really think he's particularly quick enough to do that. Also, while he did shoot 40% from three this year, it was on low volume. He wasn't a good shooter before this year. Teams are going to go under. They're going to dare him to beat them with his jump shot. And like I said, I don't think the jump shot's good enough. I don't think his quickness is going to be good enough, uh, you know, to beat a defense going under screens. But his sort of avenue for success, I think, would be becoming a guy who could play a little bit more off the ball. He was very on ball dominant in the college level, but he does have good size, right? At six foot five. So just becoming a really solid defensive player, it's tough to do that when you don't have super elite athletic traits. Uh, but I think if he could just be sort of a low maintenance, pro who contributes a little bit on both ends gives you another six five ball handler and ideally can can stick a little bit defensively i think that's probably io's best path i would put his range from 25 to 40 so you know potentially the bulls could get him in the second round but uh you know he wouldn't be my favorite pick i love io as a kid i did a big feature on him at sb nation i talked to him he was awesome to talk to i talked to his dad who was great uh his high school coach but uh, to me, not my favorite guard prospect in this draft. Still hell of a college player. He's going to make a lot of money playing basketball. And really all you can ask for is the opportunity to prove you belong in the NBA. And I think he'll get that opportunity. Yeah, that sounds totally fair to me. I mean, obviously I watched a lot of basically every Illinois game this year and he was awesome clutch player, uh, except for that last game. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely saw those flaws. I do have questions about his jumper too at the next level. So 
We'll see. I obviously am hoping for the best for him. I will be rooting for him and hopefully does well. Uh, Kevin, do you have any draft takes, any tournament stuff that you have any thoughts on? Otherwise, we'll probably wrap it up here. No, I didn't. I didn't watch nearly enough college basketball. I'd be basically being a total fraud if I Fair. if I tried to have draft picks right now. That, that's 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 me as well. That's why I'd leave this stuff to Ricky. I let him. I let him cook on that, and uh, usually I just shut my mouth I, and stuff like that. I, I just listened to to uh, Ricky and Brian Schroeder, and and then I pass those opinions off to my my friends that are more even more casual than me, and uh, and it makes me sound smart. So it's great. Perfect. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. I think we'll wrap it up here. We've been going for a good 45 minutes. So, uh, get good Bulls win tonight. They got two in a row after a six game losing streak. They're 21 and 28. Still in the number 10 spot, but they're now just, again, a game behind the Pacers. They got the Raptors up next on Thursday, and it sounds like the Raptors are going to be very shorthanded again. Just saw a tweet from, uh, 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 with a quote from Nick Nurse saying he's not too hopeful about getting bodies back for their game on Thursday against the Bulls. So that's probably no Lowry, no Fred Van Vliet. Uh, I, I think th- I don't know if they have other guys missing too, but I know those two guys mainly. So this is again, this is another game where the Bulls should take care of business and basically beat their ass. I know they still have Siakam and like OG, but I mean, again, they've just Siakam's been kind of a mess. The COVID thing has just been messing with them all season. They just seem like totally beaten down. So again, it's a game they should win, and they got the Hawks after that. Second of a back to back, that game will be really tough. Uh, I think this will only be the second time the Bulls play the Hawks after that first, that opening night, just totally, total disaster against the Hawks. So it will be very interesting to see them face the Hawks again on Friday night. They will, the Hawks, I believe, will not have John Collins or Hunter, as I mentioned, but still Trey Young, Gallinari, Kevin Herter, um, and some of these other guys. Uh, I figured, keep forgetting they traded for Lou Williams and that they have Lou Williams now. Uh, so he's obviously a dangerous, dangerous player. So that should be a good game. The Hawks are the number four seed. So these next two games, Eastern Conference teams, the Bulls should beat the Raptors and the Hawks. Uh, will be a, should be a fun one on Friday night. Uh, and that will wrap it up, wrap it up here for us, Cash Considerations. Thanks as always to everybody listening for asking questions and commenting. Uh, always great to get everybody's input. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network uh, and all the great Blue Wire pods across the network. Uh, I saw that we're doing some cool thing with that Ken Griffey Jr. coming up here. So that's pretty dope. Ken Griffey Jr. is uh, awesome. So that's sweet. Uh, not totally sure when we'll be back with you guys, but probably sometime uh, after maybe after these next couple games. Uh, so thanks again, Kevin, also for coming on. Uh, and then for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, HI Wolves Podcast. Talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.